Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. This is a podcast where we bring successful tech sales professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs to share best practices, insights, and lessons learned with other tech sales professionals. As a sales professional, the more we learn, the more we earn. Once we earn it, how can we put those hard-earned commission dollars back to work to build additional income streams that will create the freedom we are all working to achieve. I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. All right, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Freeman. And for our next episode, I'm very excited to have Brad Smith who has been an innovative sales leader in the technology space. Uh, Brad has had a proven track record of leading teams to consistently exceed sales goals and really has built up a a well-established network among industry executives and influencers within the largest technology brands, both in Silicon Valley and in his home base up in Seattle. And as a visionary leader, Brad has helped transform several go-to-market plans and sales teams over the year. So I'm really excited to have the opportunity to learn from Brad. So Brad, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. Hello, Chris. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. My pleasure. Well, hey, um, I, don't, I don't know if my introduction did you justice. Why don't you take a moment and tell my audience a little bit about yourself and your background in tech sales and everything else that you've done? Uh, sure, not a problem. Yeah, I uh, originally I went to went to school in the Bay Area. Um, I moved uh, out there to to be in Silicon Valley back in the uh, you know early '90s. And um, my background is computer science. I cut my teeth at Intel and material automation handling, and so I got a, a real good introduction into uh, into the kind of the core of the industry. We used to call it um, uh, you know the heart of darkness back then because it was it was Intel was the core of everything, and so it was a good place to learn, a good place to cut your teeth. And you know my first introduction into sales. I got a chance to lead a pre-sales, global pre-sales organization for the Intel Online Services Division. It was a startup there. And it was an MSP model. And it was, you know, started, I think it was like 98, 99, something like that time frame. And so the original public cloud, you know, concept before there was public cloud and before the tech was even really ready for that kind of concept. And did that. And uh, I, I left uh, Intel, started my own company outside of tech. I wanted to take a break from it, wanted to challenge myself. And I did that, got acquired. Uh, built that up, got acquired, and then uh, came back um, to uh, technology and, and joined, uh, you know, Citrix uh, 2009 timeframe. And I, you know, I spent a good 11 years with that company, or more actually, I think about it, uh, building the, um, uh, you know, really the, the kind of the public cloud hyperscaler business for them. It didn't really exist at the time, and but I held many roles. I held a regional direct role, uh, uh, ran the West for networking, you know, so a lot of field work. Um, but really, my specialty was uh, strategic sales and, and working with the you know, those trillion dollar companies that exist today, uh, and, and helping them expand and grow. Crazy when you say trillion dollar companies, right? Just yeah, so I, I know it, it's and now they're two two trillion. I, it, it's insane, and um, and so I, I love Citrix. Uh, you know that company started going down a path that uh, I I just wasn't interested in, and and decided it was a good time to make a change and. Uh, you know, I've recently joined uh, AMD Cloud Sales Division, and you know, really effectively doing exactly the same thing, helping uh, these massive companies grow and using uh, AMD technology at the core of it. Yeah, and by the way, you hired me at Citrix, so thank you for that. That was a great opportunity at the time. Oh, uh, thank you for taking the job. You were fantastic. Yeah. 
Well, so Brad, you know, you, you made that so going back a little bit, right? So you left Intel. And one of the things that I th- I've noticed over the years, it seems like Intel gave you some great process procedure. You know, when you look at something, a problem, a sales opportunity, you're very structured with the way you approach things. And I, I've always sensed that some of that came from your days at Intel, because I think they were pretty organized with how they did things. Yeah. Well, it's a process manufacturing company by nature. Uh, you know, they sell design, you know, they design semiconductor chips, but really, man, they're really good at manufacturing. And, and that comes all with process. Everything is a process. And yeah, it definitely did. It, it, it instilled a couple of things uh, from, from, for me. One was just uh, discipline, just you know, having, a, having a plan, sticking to a plan, knowing what you're supposed to do and, and just do it, just get it done. Um, it also created, a, you know, a, an extreme attention to detail. There isn't a detail I, I miss. I pride myself on seeing things that others don't. And then, you know, lastly, the most important in all of this was a sense of urgency, right? It's, it's it, whether it's in business or it was at Intel or it's any other companies I've worked for, it's in personal life, you start to understand over time, sense of urgency is everything, right? And, you know, life is short and, um, you know, our time here is finite, right? So um, you have to maximize everything. And uh, yeah, it was a great place to start. Um, again, really at the, the core of computing. And uh, yeah, it couldn't have been a better place to be. Yeah, I, um, you know, it's interesting because I, yeah, I agree with you on the discipline front. It's, um, it's easy to get distracted with so much going on and, you know, with information that's always flowing at you. But to be able to, whatever it is, that task that you need to go do or that project you need to go attack, you know, the discipline, getting up, doing the things that matter the most every day. That's um, I think I, did, I didn't know that. For right out of the gate as a young rep, but I learned it over time, right? Mm-hmm. As I uh, ran into some her, you know, some roadblocks. So, Brad, when you left and you you went, you left uh, Oregon, went and did you started up your own business, totally out of tech. How did that help uh, shift how you worked or how you looked mm-hmm. at work? Yeah, it's a great question. It, it it definitely shaped me. It shaped me as a person, um, and it shaped me as a uh, you know, as a, as a, as an employee, it shaped me as a leader. It, it was the first time where it, I really, I mean, I'd, I'd been a manager, I left Intel's director, but I, I had never had people that I was uh, leading that were their livelihoods dependent hundred percent on what I did and the decisions that I made. Right. So it, it really um, gave me clarity uh, as to how important it is for me to make good decisions, think things through, as well as involve as many people as I can in the, that decision-making process and be as collaborative as I can be. Uh, also, too, when you start a business, and I put every, every dime into that business, and I, at the time, I had, my wife and I had um, two children, very small children, and I have three. Uh, at, at the time, you know, it was very risky, very scary thing to do. And so, again, that sense of urgency, it just, it just etched that even deeper in my mind. It was, look, you got to move, right? And and if we didn't move and move quickly, um, if I didn't figure out how to sell, you know, it was really my true first experience in sales, which was, you know, incredibly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't have a choice, right? Yeah. You got to do it. Uh, you don't do it, business is going to fold and you lose everything, right? So it's um, it shaped me. It shaped my marriage as well and in my relationship with my wife at the same time. And um, you know, when you go through those extreme situations, it it it. Some you know, it either makes you stronger or breaks you. It just kind of that's depends right. on on who you are. No, that's fascinating. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday. He he left the uh, his W two job a few years ago, and so he's got his own business or partnered up with some some a couple guys doing their own thing. And he says, you know, it's interesting. He's like, I wake up every day thinking about revenue. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> well, it's so true. Well, I mean, look, there's two roles in every every startup. There's sales and everyone that supports sales, right? I mean, that's that's what it is. It's it could it could, it's it's so it's so incredibly true. Um, and along the same lines, you know, revenue tends to fix most issues, right? And yeah, it's at the core. But that that's the fun part. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really that's the fun part. So, so Brad, um, if you think back to you know, some of the roles, what, what's been the most interesting or the most fulfilling role that you've had so far in your your tech sales career? Yeah, fulfilling's it kind of depends, right? I mean, if it's if it's like personal fulfillment and satisfaction, um, and just personal day to day enjoyment, uh, I mean, just being a an individual contributor as a rep and and selling is is by far it, this the, the most kind of joyous thing i can do uh it's a blast right and, and especially when you're taking on a new territory or you're taking on some really big beast of companies um it's a it's an open landscape it's it's there's no shortage of ideas and things that you can you can do to to have success so that, that it definitely is but you know i think as a as a as a person you know without a doubt being a sales leader and you know being again helping a team of people work through very difficult and challenging things uh, in their career and personal lives. It's by far the most fulfilling uh, for me. It, and it took me a long time. I never really wanted to be a manager. I really fought it as long as I could. Um, you know, I, I wanted to be a programmer. I wanted to be an architect. And, and uh, you know, Intel kept making me manage people. And I fought it and I still did it. And you learned and, um, you know, because I'm, I'm an engineer by trait, by nature. And right. I think most of us are kind of similar, right? I'm just like, no, nah, I'll do my thing. Leave me alone. Um, but you, over time, you realize, like, no, it's, there's, there's so much more impact you can have when you get a chance to touch many people and, and, um, and, and you know, help them see life in a different way. You know, it's, it's, you know, my purpose in life, I learned it very early in my life. And, you know, it's for a lot of people, the worldview that they have is, is often very small, right? Helping, helping you know, people really understand and, and the members of your team, your teammates see things in a way they'd never seen before. And in, and of course, in the same same breath, they're going to help you see things you'd never seen before either, like you said, right? So you learn, you're always learning. But yeah, that that's without a doubt. I mean, anytime I've had a team where we could sit and really just try to take on a, a massive challenge where everyone said, there's no way they can get this done. Mm-hmm. That's just, I mean, that's just, that's perfect. That's the best situation. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that I've always enjoyed about the first line management role is I'm still close to the deal yeah. and I get to work with the people doing the job, helping them, coaching them. And, you know, I get a lot of fulfillment from that. If I could just, you know, if I could do more of that and a little less of some of the other internal stuff, you know, I would be incredibly happy, but you know, it goes with the role. So, I mean, you, you embrace it, you get it done efficiently and quickly. Um, but I love the the people part of it. Well, it's also one of the benefits of uh, strategic sales, by the way, is that you, you can generate billions in revenue with, uh, I used to always joke, you know, two or three, you know, two or three people in a golf cart, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> and, and there've been many times that we have, and, uh, you know, that's even better, right? Um, it's one of the reasons, kind of one of the reasons too, I like to, I like to focus on the, the trillion dollar companies because you can make a lot of, a lot of movement really fast with, uh, you know, with a very few amount of people. Yeah. Well, let's touch on that. So, um, so Brad, um, you had a team. Where you had not one but two record transactions, sales, record breaking mm. for the company in the same year, and that definitely does not happen by accident. Um, now, what's the secret behind you and your team's success? You know, there, there's we could spend hours on that, and, and none of it is secret. It's all well known uh, elements, right? 
But uh, it, one of the things I always start off any of the, the meetings or when I meet uh, new members of the team, I'll start off every QBR with the same kind of concept, which is, you know, that, uh, that success is a habit it, and success is a habit that's, uh, it's, that's ultimately, you know, driven by, you know, it's fueled by a sense of urgency and attention to detail. And again, going back to my Intel days, you know, I've learned that over time. And so the habit part is a framework. It's like I always, whenever I'm coaching on this, I'm guiding, hey, have a framework, have a, have a cadence, have a daily cadence, weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly, right? And at the same time, it's like when you know you've got to get something done, you get it done. Uh, you don't wait. You just do it. You just get rid of it, right? And we talk about time management, the issues of time management. The, the higher in an organization you get, the more difficult it becomes because your span um, of control is so much wider. And so you have to learn how to just get rid of things right away, right? So it was always a lot of coaching around just the little things, um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of listening, a lot of listening uh, with customers. It was a lot about meeting prep. It was a lot about making sure that, you know, when you do meet with a customer that, you know, number one, you are prepping for that meeting and you're spending more time. If you have an hour meeting, you're spending more than an hour prepping for that meeting, right? And you're going to capture simple things like, Who's going to be in the room? What's the purpose of this meeting? Um, you know, what are some things I need to consider? Uh, and even simple things like coaching uh, reps and 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 managers and directors and VPs. I'll coach them on the idea of think about the meeting, how it starts, and your introduction. Write down your introduction, read it, read it out loud, and pretend you're in the meeting and see how it feels. Are you setting the tone for the meeting? Is it the right kind of message? Are you clear on the objectives? Right. And what that does is, you know, one of the biggest problems that a lot of people have is they get nervous in these situations, very nervous, especially if you're, you're meeting in C-suite, right? Um, you know, everyone's buckets puckered when that happens. And, you know, what that does is it removes one of the issues off the table that people don't really think about. One of the biggest issues is how do you start the meeting, right? How do you do an introduction that's clean, um, that's concise, and, and you're not just, you know, wandering off in, in thought, right? And if you do that, you take that off the table, that's one less thing your mind has to worry about. Now your mind can start to think about what's the reaction, what do their faces look like, right? And it allows you to be a, little, a lot more free-flowing. So simple things like that. I mean, there's just a myriad of those types of detail, you know, but ultimately, you know, to build a successful team, you need the right kind of people. You need the people that are driven. You need the ones that are excited about taking chances. They're excited about making informed decisions, uh, in, informed risk, right? Taking informed risks and and that are creative and, and want to share, right? They're not hoarding information. They want to share. They want everyone to know what they've done. They're happy about it and they're proud about it and they know who they are. So you, you kind of, you know, you group a, a, a bunch of people together like that. And then you are able, if you're able to sell them on a vision and say, look, I think we can get to this place, right? No one believes we can get to this place, but we can get to this place. I have some ideas on how to get there. You know, work with me, follow me, and let's let's come up with a, a path and be a pathfinder. That was another term I picked up at Intel, is that you have to be a pathfinder. And you've got to find new roads. You got to find a way to get to those those end games without, you know, in ways sometimes that people just never think about. So yeah. um, there's a whole bunch to it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's a, it's a long list of um sometimes basic things that you have to just do incredibly well. And so going back mm-hmm. to the uh, opening the meeting, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because actually when I'm interviewing people, um, I'll sometimes say, hey, I know this is a pretty basic question, but I'll, I'll ask them, talk to me about how you open up a meeting. Yeah. And, and the reason I bring that up is I had, I was fortunate enough that I had a number one rep work for me one time and he happened to be local. 
So I had an opportunity to go on all kinds of ride-alongs with him because he's like, when I could get out in the field, way better than sitting in front of the computer screen. So I'd go and, you know, he would open the meeting up the same way every single time, which would be, hey, just want to recap where we're at, what we've talked about. Here's your, your current state. Here's what's going on. Here's some of the challenges. Here's how it's impacting the business. Right now, we're thinking that this technology thing that I have can uh, address it in this way, maybe this outcome. Here's some of the open action items. Uh, is that still the case? Has anything changed? And he would do that every single time. And the number of times a customer would say, well, actually, yeah, something has changed. Yeah. Your competitor, Arista, was in here talking about X, Y, and Z, or, or we got a new CEO, or we got acquired. Versus, I've been on other ride-alongs with other people where we get halfway into the meeting and by the way, the landscape has completely changed and we're selling to the wrong problem. Yeah, it's constant, right? And, and it is, it, it's such a basic thing, but really, I mean, how many people in your life have, have literally sat you down and said, hey, do this to start a meeting, right? Mm -hmm. Most everyone typically has to kind of learn it, um, unfortunately. And it's one of those, it, it's a fundamental thing that you need to do. And how many times have you sat in meetings where you've had somebody a rep or yourself, maybe early on in your career, and you just start going right into the presentation. You just <laughs> you're just cranking right through it. Now right, you hand it over to the SC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Either way, you're just and you're just crushing. You guys are crushing it, and then you get to the very end of the meeting, and you realize I didn't even ask them what their objectives for the meeting right. were, where we're going to be. Right? It's like you're like oh my, and they say, well, that's great, but you know, we wanted to talk about you know apples, not bananas. I'm like oh right. crap. Well, I. I have, here's my presentation for apples. I got, we're out of time. Sorry. So you got to go. Right. So it's, yeah, you, you, you have a, a system again, that framework and, you know, whether it, you know, think about like the things you do, you, you always have meetings. Well, what's your standard framework for the meeting? What's your standard framework for the day? What's your standard framework for a one-on-one -on -one with, uh, with somebody that works for you? What's your standard framework for your management, right? Mm -hmm. When you have those one-on-ones, it's, it's like simple. And once you kind of think about it, you'll see commonality across all of it. And you just, and if you want to tweak the system, tweak the system. It's all good, right? But yeah. you don't have to think about it anymore. Um, you know, it's it's yeah, it's 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 very important. But man, just that fundamental. Hey, this is why this is why I think we're here today. Right? You agree or disagree? With what <laughs> right. I'm saying, and we'll adjust if you disagree. Right? Yeah. Just simple. Well, the other thing, that, the other thing I didn't realize until later was. Um, you know, you have to remember, right? You're going in and you've prepared now for an hour, two hours a day for this meeting, and you're ready to go start sharing information. But your customer probably just came from another meeting and they're still shaking off the dust from the last meeting. So you kind of need to give them a chance to catch up with you. Yeah. Uh, and that intro allows them to do that, you know, allows them to level set and say, all right, got it. All right. I'm in my next four meetings in a row. I'm on board now. I understand what we're here to talk about because I forgot, you know. Well, it's, and it's, it's a representative too of how important empathy is in the equation here, right? I mean, all the best leaders, any of the best leaders you're ever going to really read about and understand is they understand how, how the people they're interacting with are viewing them at that moment, right? And what they're in thinking about what their situation was before they entered into that conversation. Mm -hmm. And that, that's incredibly important, right? Because we're so in our own head preparing for this thing and we're spending so much time, we're so focused on it. It's so important. Man, it's a, it's a laundry list for the customer of other things they're they're doing that's more important probably in that conversation. Um, and then you're right, it, it you have to you have to blend them in slowly, right, and then get them to your to your mindset, and then um, and then go from there. Yeah, it's it's a good point. That's good stuff. Well, you know, on the topic of mindset, so you didn't say it earlier, but um, you're visualizing what's going to happen in that meeting, 
right? You're going through, okay, well, they may say this, this might happen. And you're going through those what if scenarios and coming up with how you want to respond. I mean, and that's in my mind, not every sales rep does that. That's you know, the top 20% that produce 80% of the production. You know, that's the type of stuff that they're doing. And sometimes, you know, for a smaller deal, you know, you're, you're going in once and you're out, you know, maybe you're not doing it as much, but as you get into the bigger, higher end deals, um, you have to be showing value and you have to be bringing your A game every single time. Yeah. I mean, especially too. And, and, and when you get into these dealing with these, these incredibly large and dominant companies, um, contracts are, a, a, they're an enormous part of any deal, right? So when you start on your career and you're just selling a service, I mean, sometimes those contracts are straight EULAs, right? It's no big deal. Um, and most of them think twice about it, but when you get into the, you know, the, eight, nine figure range, right? You're, you're talking massive, massive contracts. And, um, and it's so important because there are always going to be layers of contracts behind it. And when you, when you understand and you think through that, the only way to truly kind of prepare for those scenarios, aside from doing your homework, is to really think through what could happen in a sequence of events, right? And, um, you know, I've, I've been blessed by having some, some great colleagues, uh, uh, you know, like yourself and others. And, but if you can find some people in, in the company that you work with in your team or even your management that is, that is willing to spitball or even um, you know, just play along in, in a sequence, it's, it's incredibly powerful to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it through this path, have them throw new things at you that you didn't think about, right? Um, and if you don't have that, I will just literally sit by myself. I will think through in my mind. I'll visualize the conversation. I'm in the meeting and I'll take it down two or three different paths. And I will think, okay, well, what are other things they might say in this situation? What are other things they may throw at me that I hadn't considered? And then how would I react, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, the prep depends on the importance of the meeting. Um, right. Don't do that for every meeting, but <laughs> you know, for the ones that are that are again those record deals, like those record deals you refer to, I mean, spent hours, hours going through that type of sequence uh, by myself and with colleagues. Uh, mentors, uh, people in the team. I mean, it was just a constant thing we did, right? Mm -hmm. And you, you have to keep. You, you're basically, you know, you're wargaming, right? You're wargaming, um, and the better you're, you're at, you're at it. And if you can visualize it, uh, you're in your mind too. It also, when you're in that situation, your mind naturally goes, "I've been here, right? I'm not, I'm not concerned about the situation. I, I, I've already been here. I don't know why I've been here, but I've been here, right? Your mind does that, and you can play tricks in your head that way, and it's very effective. Yeah. And then when you are in that situation, you're calmer, you're more collected, your responses yeah. are going to be much more crisp, but it all comes together. I mean, I could cool. talk about this stuff all day long. This I know. Is, I, I mean, you, you know me, I'll talk all day if you want. <laughs> so I love this. That's uh, good. Well, so Brad, um, shifting gears. So, you know, the, the, really the kind of the underlying theme of this podcast is you first need to learn from the best in order to earn like the best. And then how do you take some of those hard earned commission dollars and redeploy them into things that'll generate additional income streams to create that freedom that we're all looking for. Because while we love what we do, you know, we're, we're working hard, making a lot of money because there's probably something else out there that, you know, we ultimately want to do. So I'm curious, you know, on, once you've earned it, you know, how do you reinvest some of those hard-earned commission dollars? Hello, sales pros. I hope you are enjoying the High Tech Freedom Podcast. If you are interested in learning more about passively investing in multifamily real estate, you can download our educational ebook at hightechfreedom.com. While there, you can also sign up for our newsletter where we will provide insights on real estate investing, as well as sales tips 
so that you can continue to crush it in your high-tech sales role. Now, I often hear people say, eh, I'll get to that later, or uh, I'll read that book later. Well, there's no time like the present to improve your knowledge. So I hope you take advantage of at least the newsletter. In the meantime, please reach out if I can help out yeah, in any you know, way. It, it now, let's get back to the show. It's changed a lot over the years, I got to tell you. Um, and uh, one of the things that I kind of learned midway through my career was the benefits of cash. And mm. um, so I spent a good portion of my, you know, my career just making sure that I was a, I was a cash only person. And, you know, once you're able to be cash only, it changes the dynamic of, you know, your professional career because you're not as beholden to this, this W2 that comes in every other week. Right. When you say cash only, you mean not having any debt or. Yeah. Not, not carrying any debt. Now when, when real estate investing, you can't always be in that mode, right? You, you oftentimes will lose opportunity if you have that mindset. Um, so I try to balance that part of it, but like in my personal life, you know, I, 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 before I did anything, I made sure I was debt free. Um, and, and then on the, you know, I do, I, I invest in real estate and I love just, you know, I'd like to keep things, things simple. And the more complex I've been in my life in this situation, the worse I've done. And so, you know, there's a couple areas in my life that I know really well, and I've decided that's where I'm going to focus. I'm just going to invest in these things. And that's what I do. And I know two things. I know, I know tech, you know, but not even just general tech. I know computing, I know cloud computing. I know that industry. You know, I know the gems in that industry. I know what they're going to do for 10 years out, right? So I'm going to invest heavily there and I'm just sticking to it. And anytime I've wavered from that, I've regretted it, right? So, um, you know, unless there's a massive power grid failure and we no longer have power, those companies are going to continue to dominate and they're going to continue to be the best investments we could have, right? And then the other side of the equation is to say, all right, well, real estate. You know, I looked at real estate originally as let's generate an income base. And if you're, if you're debt-free in your personal life and you generate an income base, then you have some decisions you can make, right? You can decide to take a year off if you want, right? If you want to shift your career a little bit, take some time, recharge, you know, get your body right, get your mind right. You have those kind of options. And so you know, that's where I focus. It's not the best way when you start. If you're, if you're looking at cash flow and income, it, it, it's not the easiest way to get a massive portfolio, right? Because you have to balance loan to value. Um, you know, to debt and, and cash flow becomes, you know, it's a big issue, right? Uh, you're trying to maximize cash flow. Whereas if you're just investing for numbers, uh, you're probably going to keep each one neutral, right? And then the question is, how much can you recover from each one of those projects so you can invest in another project? Right. And it's a very different philosophy. So I've generally been just more down the income path um, myself. But, uh, you know, in real estate, I've done everything from buying houses at foreclosures uh, to flip. I've done that for years. Uh, I love doing renovations. I like doing trim and stonework myself. Uh, I'm very hands-on person. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I, yeah. Look, I'm a ditch digger by nature. I love, I love working. <laughs> and uh, you know, I grew up in a, um, you know, it was it was a very humble beginnings, right? So, you know, my first job I was ten, and so it's just kind of ingrained in me that drive to work. And um, I love, yeah, I love doing um, trim carpentry. It's just one of my favorite things to do. And um, you can always add a little spin on stuff too, and it keeps yeah. the cost down, but yeah, that, that's only when time allows. Right. right. But yeah, so yeah, I'll, fo- I'll focus there and, um, you know, that's still a work in progress, you know, still trying to add what we can and as it um, should be right. Always. Yeah. Keep going. Well, it's, uh, you know, I, I agree with the cash flow concept. My, um, one of the lessons I learned early on, so I was uh, at a tech company before the dot-com bubble burst. And I had a future partner there. He'd already been in real estate for 30 plus years and he had some apartment buildings. So, you know, Portland, right? So he bought 
apartment buildings in Northwest Portland when it was a CD area. And he, mm-hmm. he owned them outright. And so here right. we are, 2001, the bubble bursts and all his rich friends, you know, they're not going to football games or not doing their international travel. They're really tightening up because they're living off their, their income from their stock portfolio, which had cratered. And as you know, unlike the Great Recession, those tech stocks didn't come back. They no. went out of business. Yeah. And so, you know, my portfolio cratered at the time, but I was watching him bring in hundreds of thousands of dollars of income. And, you know, he's putzing around working three, four hours a day just for fun, traveling every month. And he really didn't miss a beat. I was like, yeah. huh, you know, that's what I want. But what I also learned was he didn't do that, you know, overnight. He worked diligently for 20 years, um, maybe more to yeah. build that up. And, you know, it's really, it's just a fascinating space because it's not a get rich quick, mm-hmm. but, you know, if, to your point, if you're diligent and you do it every, you know, consistently, um, it's going to pay off. Yeah. And one of the things we've learned in those two cycles, the black swan moments, right? And I um, mean, we saw that in the dot-com crash. We saw that in the Great Recession, that time frame. And uh, I mean, you know, quite frankly, I was a little hopeful that maybe there'd be another black swan moment uh, when the pandemic hit and, uh, you know, just hopeful in the sense of, okay, maybe there's some buying opportunities, you know, opposite turn, right? So it is hard to predict. And the, 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 that's another thing I have learned too, is like, don't try to time that stuff. Uh, if, you're, if, you, if you're able to, and it works, great. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I also learned too, I mean, I spent so many years flipping homes. I'm, you know, I look back now and go, I should have kept every, every, every one of them. You know, that right. was, I hear you know, that from people all the time. Uh, like if I only would have kept it. I know. Yeah. Don't sell them. <laughs> if you can, yeah. if you can hold it, keep it. Uh, it's, it's, you know, God's not Especially making if the land. Up, if you're up in Bellevue, Seattle, you know, if it was around where you lived. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, well it's, um. Oh, by the way, if anybody's interested in learning more about investing in uh, commercial real estate or apartment buildings, I have a free ebook on my website on passive investing in real estate. You can go to hightechfreedom.com and download it. There's also a link there where you can sign up for our newsletter where we uh, provide both sales and uh, investing in real estate tips. Uh, so go check that out. Um, awesome, Brad. I really appreciate the insight on that. And thanks for sharing. Of course. Of course. Anytime. Yeah. So Brett, I know it uh, sounds like you don't have a ton of time on your hands right now, but in terms of giving back, I know, I think you were involved this, with a couple different equestrian related organizations. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, my my wife and my my two daughters, my two daughters, my wife's a equestrian, my, my two daughters compete and um, I got introduced to it. I was never in that world. Um, and then just got introduced to it as my my oldest daughter started getting coming of age and and started doing that. And, uh, yeah, we're big, we're big, um, supporters of, uh, my wife's a district manager or district, um, director for uh U S pony club and wow. has been for years. And, um, and we're also big supporters of the USEF and, you know, we are trying to find ways, you know, we've got a small team that we take around all over the, you know, all over the Western U S and compete for these various events. And it's a big production. It's a big crew, uh, you know, and a bunch of horses and a bunch of young women and, uh, you know, trying to compete and uh, actually some one, a couple of young men too. And, and, uh, it's, it's an incredible experience. So we do our best to see if we can, uh, offset costs wherever it's possible to get, uh, you know, provide access to those that, that want to be in that environment and, and want to learn that, that, that world. Um, so we spend a lot of time and, and resources there, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's and that's not an inexpensive sport either. No, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And it's just, it is, it is, it just is what it is. Like, there's no way to do the types of things that we do there and, and, and not be expensive. 
Um, so yeah, anything we can do to offset those costs, we will jump right in and do it. And um, aside from just being active members and constantly, uh, you know, trying to better the sport and, and um, you know, just try to further the message. I mean, if, if, if a young person has the ability to bond with the horse, um, it's, it's a life-changing event for people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for those of us that are all animal lovers, always have been my whole life. And um, it's just, it's one of those things that it grounds you so much and it, it provides you a lot of that empathy uh, that maybe, you know, some, some younger folks today maybe aren't being taught or shown. Right. And um, yeah, it's very important to us. That's great. Is your, is your daughter doing like dressage or barrel or bear riding, riding? Oh or? yeah. Uh, 3d eventing. So the same thing you'd see in the Olympics, right? Okay. Same exact thing. So they do, uh, uh, they do a uh, dressage and then they do a uh, cross country through these crazy barriers, uh, you know, for miles. And, uh, and then, um, then they do a stadium where you see, you know, jumping over these big jumps and in a controlled environment. And, uh, yeah, my youngest, you know, she's seven, which is insane. Wow. And, and she was a tiny thing too. I really actually, I fought it a little bit because she's a <laughs> tiny little thing and she was just the sweetest little girl and she's on this massive animal. And, uh, I just, I couldn't even watch it for yeah. two years. I couldn't watch it. It's just That's funny. terrified me. But, um, same time, you know, she's, she's, uh, yeah, she, she loves it and, and hopefully she'll continue on. She wants to, uh, you know, write in college and, um, she's, you know, very good and, and, uh, you know, we're going to support her throughout. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Brad, is there anything else that you'd like to share with uh, our sales professional audiences that uh, would help them in their career or anything else that you might want to pass along? You know, I, I, uh, I, I try, you know, I, I don't like giving too much advice if I can. I, I really, it, it makes me a little nervous because I don't feel like I know any answers. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, who, who am I to actually offer guidance, to any of this stuff, but, uh, you know, I, I'd say this, you know, a couple of things, it's just, um, you know, for me, I think just in life in general, for all of this is just, it's, it's the beginner's mindset, uh, is, um, is, is where I'd always start. Right. And no matter what we're doing, we, we have to understand that as long as you're always thinking I'm a beginner and I'm learning and, I'm, and as if today was the first day I've done something, um, you know, it makes everything a lot easier. Right. And you don't, you know, you don't have the pride that comes in there that says, no, no, I already, I already know how to do this. I don't need to learn anymore. Um, because there's just so much to learn and, uh, in the industry, especially, I mean, you talk about technology innovation. I mean, it's crazy. Right. Um, so really the only thing I'd ever tell anyone is like, just keep learning, just keep driving and, um, you know, make your, make the stuff that you don't like doing as efficient as possible. So you get it out of the way. And so you can focus on your passions and do the things that you love to do. And, um, yeah, just keep, keep driving, keep learning. And, um, I think the other thing they offer is, you know, Chris, I, I very much appreciate what you're doing here. And, you know, you said you can, you could be doing a lot of other things with your time, you know, instead you're doing something that, that you're, you're trying to pull together a couple of your passions and seeing if you can help others in the process. And, and well, it's commendable. You. It's commendable. And, and I love the fact you're doing this and, you know, anything you ever need, just let me know. I really appreciate that. And, uh, I've made the comment in the past that I consider myself a lifetime learner. And, uh, you know, I, I feel that you constantly need to be growing because if you stop growing, you know, and you're comfortable, you know, maybe comfortable, maybe warm, but nothing will grow there. Right. So yeah. you, you always need to be growing. And I, I will definitely say that there's been points in my career where I felt like I maybe plateaued a little bit with my learning, maybe got a little bit stagnant, you know, just so busy with life and kids, um, probably happens to a lot of people. And, yeah. um, at that point, I didn't feel like I had the direction of where I was going or where I wanted to go. 
And I don't remember really what shifted it, but I got excited again about something, started digging back into learning, really got into the discipline and the habit of learning, you know, just reading 10 minutes every morning, kind of getting focused on my day. Um, And just like with those meetings, when I started doing that, man, the whole rest of the day just went better when I started it off the right way. So um, well, it's interesting. So I've, you know, I have an athletic background and I've been an athlete or attempting to be an athlete most of my life. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that you learn from athletics, uh, you know, really learned this uh, playing football early on, um, and was you have to fall in love with the process. Right. And again, it's kind of that same thing. It's not the destination, it's the journey. And the same thing is true in athletics when you're trying to perform better and, and build and grow and get bigger, faster, stronger, more skilled at whatever you're doing. You know, you have to fall in love with the process of doing that. And, and then instead of having the goal of being, I'm going to be the best person at this, your, your goal is to become the person that is that best, right? That is the best at that. And so so it's, a diff, it's more of a focus of, I want to become that person that would be on that, that podium instead of saying, well, I want to be on the podium, right? Mm-hmm. Because when you get to the podium, what do you do? You're like, okay, now I got to find a new purpose. Um, whereas before you're like, no, no, I don't need any purpose. That was just one of my things I'm going to do. Right. I, my purpose was to become the person that could get there. Um, but I'm the same with you as you, man. Like I've, I've had portions of my career. I was just like rudderless where I was just going, I don't know what I'm doing, why I'm doing this right now. Um, and it wasn't that I didn't like what I was doing. It's like, I don't, I don't feel like I know where I'm trying to get to. Um, I think everyone goes through that. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's hard to imagine there'd be anybody. I mean, you have a few people in our, I think our world or sphere that, have always had a single, um, Hey, I'm going there. I'm not going to stop till I get there. God bless them. You know, yeah. um, you know, I had a purpose given to me, uh, forced upon me very year early in my life. And I knew what it was very young, what it was going to be. And, um, it, it was never be the person. It was definitely get to that point. Um, you know, related to my own personal family and make sure they weren't facing what I was facing. Um, but the, the problem is when you get there, then it's what? like, now what, yeah. you know, and I'm in that moment right now, I'm looking around going, I got to find a new purpose. What's that purpose going to be? And then you ask that question and your mind just goes crickets, right? <laughs> so it's, uh, I think it's just a journey we all have constantly. Writing that down, find your purpose and that purpose will purpose. change over time. You know, yeah, yeah. Achieve it, right? So then find the next one. Yep. Well, Brad, uh, thank you very much for being on today. Um, it was a real pleasure for me. If, uh, if listeners would like to reach out to you, how can they connect? You know, I think the best way is LinkedIn. I'm open to uh, to IMs and contact via that, and uh, you know, I'm very responsive on it. I'm, you know, I, I try to keep uh, generally a low profile. Um, you're not going to see me doing a lot of stuff in public, and it's by design, uh, just because the nature of the type of business I do and what I work in. But yeah, feel free, reach out LinkedIn. It's um, I'm the I'm the third most famous Brad Smith in uh, in my area of Seattle. So, uh, you know, but you know, I'd say Brad C Smith usually is the limiter. I don't know too many famous Brad C. Smith. So you can always find me that way. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks again. Really nice to catch up. Great talking to you, Chris. Thank you very much. Thanks again for joining us today. To get more sales and real estate tips, you can subscribe to our newsletter at hightechfreedom.com. You can also join our private Facebook and LinkedIn group that is exclusively for sales professionals. If you found a nugget of good information in the podcast, please subscribe, give us a positive rating and write a review. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover in the future, please send us a note through our website at hightechfreedom.com. Until next week, make this your best week ever.